0: My name is Lori, and I am the founder and CEO of a company called Inclusivity, and we are all about kindness and justice and creating sustainable fashion and making the world a better place. And this is our podcast, and I am honored today to be talking with Graham Russell from Air Supply, and um, I just brought, we wanted to have Graham on to talk about music and a little bit about his life and maybe share some poetry with us. So Graham, welcome.
1: Thank you, Lois. Nice to be with you this afternoon.
0: Well, it is lovely to be talking to you. Um, I just wanted to start by saying, you know, thank you for your music because I, you know, grew up in the eighties and um it was certainly sort of pivotal pivotal to my growing up air supplies music. So thank you.
1: Oh, you're very very welcome. And it's it's nice to be with someone of my same generation, I think. <laughs> no,
0: know. Isn't that not that kind of a nice thing? <laughs> music
1: musically at least, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, and I just I yeah, you know, I think that your music touched so much um on sort of the the themes of growing up and, and you know, the young love and yeah pain and, yeah. and so very, very emotionally moving for us when we were kids. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. I mean, you know, we grew up at a certain. I mean, we were around. We when we came out, it was a certain time. You know, it was a it was a great time. Of course, that time has gone now, and we're in a different age and a different right culture. Even, but it was it was a beautiful time, and you know, I have great memories of it. Of course, you know.
0: So, Graham, I you have been working with the same partner for how many years now?
1: Uh, Forty-five.
0: Okay, and it sounds yeah. like that for the two of you, has been just gone very smoothly.
1: It has. We we have a, a great relationship, you know, and uh, we have a lot in common, and yet we both have completely different roles in in the band, within Air Surprise, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's always been from the very beginning, and they've always been very clearly defined, uh, you know, in as much as, you know, I write the songs, Russell's the singer, and neither of us want to do the other's job so it's a great it's a great way to to have a career and uh, you know we understand each other very well and the great thing about this is it it allows me complete freedom to do whatever i think is right for the band musically so i am allowed to do that and which is great for me because i don't like boundaries or restrictions or anything and so our our business relationship is is almost perfect you know russell comes into the studio when you know when we want to record he'll come in and he, he already will know all the songs and uh and he sings then then that he's fulfilled his uh his requirement his job that's what his job is but he does it very very well and still continues to do that so it's great it just allows me to write the songs and in my own time and, and do whatever I want, you know. And Russell always says, oh, that's great, you know, let's do it. Um, so it's great, a great relationship. There's no egos involved or, mm-hmm. you know, Russell never said, oh, I'd like to write a song. I've actually asked him and said, you should write songs, you know. He says, no, I can't write songs. <laughs> and and so he has no desire to. So it works great because it allows me all that space to do whatever I, I want to do, you know.
0: So speaking of that, how do you feel like your music has changed over the years? Like, do, can you kind of point out to you know specific periods that oh, I was really I changed a little bit and was working more on this?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I, I began writing songs when I was really young, and you know, for any songwriter, it takes you a long time to really figure things out, and I'm still figuring things out, and I've I've been writing songs for over like 52 years or something. And uh, and I'm still like, a, I still feel like I'm a novice because early on in a songwriter's career, you, you, they're very simple songs and they're very, uh, what's the word? They're very kind of easily digested, but the older you get, especially when you have some success, you think, Oh, that's really cool. Um, but it seems that the older you get, the more complicated they get. And so I have to kind of make sure that they don't get complicated because I I know I'm a very simple person and uh, you know, I I don't like complicated things in my life. So I Mm -hmm. have to be very cautious about the songs now because, you know, I listen, I listen to a lot of things and, and I, if I go and see an opera or something, I think, Oh, I can, I could write that, but I don't want to write an op. I don't want to write any operatic songs because that's not who I am, but I think I could, you know, (laughs) but if I did, it would take up a lot of my time and, it would be quite complicated and that would be it wouldn't be really what i wanted to do so okay. i have to guard myself and try to keep things really simple you know simple songs are always the best anyway i think
0: so russell when you're writing i've had some musicians tell me that they the lyrics come first i've had some that said the music came first and then i had someone the other day say that for her it's everything all at once how does it kind of work for you
1: It's always a little different every time, which Mm -hmm. is great. I I never know what's going to happen. You know, I just, when I feel the urge, which I feel every day, it just depends what time, I just sit at the piano or I pick my guitar up and I just play. Mm -hmm. And within a few minutes, something's going on that I know is is going to be a song. Uh, If I start playing like a chord progression, I will hear a phrase, a, a, a lyrical phrase. And I follow it. It's kind of like being enticed down the garden path. Someone is mm-hmm. in front of me, beckoning me to follow them. And uh, and I follow them into this beautiful garden. And then there's all these things happening. And then the song starts to form. But I, I can, if there is a phrase initially, I can never change it. Mm-hmm. Because it's glued to the phrase that I'm playing on the piano, for instance. An example of that is uh, is all out of love, you know. All out of love, for instance, is. And I wrote the song in nineteen seventy-eight in in Australia, but all out. I, if, if you say in Australia, I'm all out of love. It's not a phrase that people would use, nor nor in England or in most of the Western world. But in America, it's you say I'm all out of this, or I'm all out of sugar or milk or whatever. Um, so it came. It was all out of love, and I thought, "Wow, that's not a phrase I would use." Where did that come from? <laughs> but I I couldn't change it because it was glued to the chords, and I did I did try to change it and make it. I can't remember what, uh, but it didn't work. So I learned that lesson very quickly. That if 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 I feel there's a really uh, some really nice music that, I'm, that is coming to me, um, I allow the lyrics to come to me but i'm very cautious about them uh i'm I'm giving you the impression that i'm very cautious about everything but i'm really not Uh, but but i'm i'm very aware that an initial phrase usually sticks and another example was lost in love uh, which i also wrote uh, in australia about the same time uh but the thing about the phrase lost in love which is just three words it rolls off the tongue and mm-hmm. it's a beautiful phrase and it has a double meaning of course uh it you could be lost in love you're you're in love and you're lost or you're just lost in love uh, there are two distinct meanings and right. i thought oh that's that's really cool <laughs> um i i didn't need to really uh enlarge upon that phrase mm-hmm. and and the st- the song was written in 15 minutes the whole thing simply because there's only four chords in the song and when i played um you know in in a song there's a, there's a certain pattern there's a there's an intro there's a verse there's a bridge then there's a chorus uh, but in this instance i was singing the verse you know lost in love and i don't know and i thought wow that that could be the chorus too which it became so the verse is interchangeable with the chorus and consequently at the end of the song it's it's kind of like one big, one long chord. It doesn't mm-hmm. change that much, but it doesn't need to, you know. And I played mm-hmm. it back and I thought, wow, that's that's really cool. But is it too simple? Is it too, uh, is it not clever enough? And I, I played it to Russell, like in 78. He came to see me because I said I've got a, a, a lot of songs I want to play in. Um, and he, he went straight for Lost in Love. He says, "That's the one right there," and I didn't think it was because I thought it was too simplistic. Uh, but then later on, when we came to the United States again, I spoke to a lot of different songwriters that I happened to meet. Uh, uh, people, for instance, Willie Nelson,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and I was talking to Willie Nelson, you know, and I was completely enamoured by him because, uh, you know, I'd never met a lot of big stars before. And he said, you know, if you do anything, keep it simple all the time. And I'd never forgotten that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that in particular, like Lost in Love, if you can come up with, a songwriter can come up with things like that, with uh, phrases that have different meanings, it's really cool. And it really helps the song to get noticed, I've Mm -hmm. found uh i don't know if i'm saying that the right way but i'm trying to think of other examples from other songwriters there's lots of them uh where it has double meanings. and that right. that's that's yeah and that's very cool but it doesn't happen all the time mm-hmm. but when it does i'm aware of it and i go i don't try to do it i never try to do anything i just let it happen uh, because you know i'm not a re- i'm not a trained musician and and i'm not a trained songwriter Everything I know, uh, uh, you know, I play the piano, I play a lot of instruments. I taught myself, so I'm not really a good student. I'm I'm better (laughs) if I'm left to my own devices, you know. Uh, You know, when I was at school, my my teachers used to say that. They'd say, you know, you've got great potential. You're a lot, you're very smart, but you don't care, do you? And I said, no, I don't. And they said, it's hard for you to listen. I said, yeah, it is. Because I drift. I drift off. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I'm having a conversation with people, it won't happen with us, by the way. If if I hear a song in my head when I'm having a conversation with someone, and it could be anywhere at any time, I drift off. And I can't help it. And I feel myself drifting because I hear this song. Mm -hmm. And the the song says to me in my head, hey, you're coming with me. And I know you're talking to someone in a very, very interesting conversation, but it's over. You're going to come with me. And I just drift off and I, and, uh, and it's weird, you know. So I have no real control over it. But at the same time, it, I love it so much. I, You know, there's nothing I love doing more than writing songs. And it's not a chore for me. And I don't write a song because... I don't say to myself, oh, I need to write a song. I I just love doing it. And for me, it's like getting dressed in the morning or having a a hot drink, a, a cup of tea in the morning. If I have a cup of tea, my next thought, once I've done my chores around the house, my next thought is I'm going to play my piano because I need to do that. And it's something I do every single day. Uh, several times a day, and I can be there for an hour, two hours sometimes, and I just love it. And so well, I go ahead. You you well, asked me another question.
0: <laughs> no, I actually just wanted to know. I just wanted to say thank you for letting yourself do that, because for those of us who are listening to you, that love and that passion, and the fact that you let that go, is very clear. And so I just oh, want to say sure. I'm so I'm so thankful that you allow that and that you allow that um, creativity.
1: Oh, you, thank, well, thank you. Yeah, that's very kind of you to say that. But, you know, really, I have no choice. I don't have anything <laughs> in it. Okay. And to quote, deep, to, to quote Deepak Chopra, when in one of his early books that I read, and I think I've read them all, he says, you know, the, the universe is going to give you whatever you want uh, because it has no choice. And I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in that, not of gaining uh, possessions or whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm a big Believer, that I mean, when I when I want to write a song, and I definitely was given a gift because I have no training at all. I I was given a gift, Um, and but I treasure it so deeply, and I don't take anything for granted, you know. And I just love it when I feel that rush, when I know there's a song there, and there usually usually is. If I sit at the piano or play my guitar, within a few minutes something's cooking every time. And I feel so blessed to have that. And I use it, you know, and I mm-hmm. and I sit down and I'll write a song. Uh, so I have such a great life, you know. But very early in, in my, when I was very young, when I was writing songs and I didn't know what I was doing, I mean, I still don't, but when I didn't know what they were, I, I thought to myself, oh, wow, you know, the, uh, my song, these songs are very... Uh, very emotional. And I thought, oh, that's, that's cool. But then I thought that all songwriters wrote those kind of songs because I grew up with the Beatles mm-hmm. uh, in that era, you know. Um, and so a, a lot of people don't realize this, but the Beatles probably m- wrote more love songs than everybody else combined. You know, people talk about Air Supply and they say, well, you, you it's love songs all the time. And I say, yeah, pretty much, yeah. And then I say, <laughs> Uh, what's wrong with that? You know, but early on in our career, people used to say to us, oh, here's another love song. Oh, here's another one. Here's another one. And that's just the way it is. That's just the way it was. Had had I, at that point, listened to people uh, when they used to say, uh, on radio interviews and TV, they'd say, oh, are you going to write something else? And i say, I don't know. You know, but Mm -hmm. because I, I love writing whatever, comes my way. I don't choose to write a love song or a, a comedy song or whatever. It just happens and it just comes. So I have no choice in, in the matter. It's mm-hmm. predetermined but by, by something else, you know. But I love it.
0: <laughs> I, I, mean, I do. It's so clear. So, Graham, you said that um, uh, Lost in Love was written in about 15 minutes. Yeah. Would you say that, I mean, are most of your songs, is it just a huge variety Depending on the song, or is there kind of a pattern to how long it takes you?
1: Um, I never know what the song's going to be about or like. I I, I never know. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, now I write, I'm writing, I'm I'm in my fifth musical now, which is a a different kind of animal. Uh, You know, Russell and I met when we were in Jesus Christ Superstar in 75. Right. So, So, yeah, so funnily enough, our first uh, meetings were wrapped around a musical, one of the greatest musicals ever, of course, Jesus Christ Superstar. So, for two years almost, we were together in that, you know, we were two apostles and we were thrown together. All the apostles had a, had a partner. So, Russell became my, my partner in the show, right? You dance together. It sounds really mm-hmm. weird, doesn't it? But uh, <laughs> so um, we. I, the music genre was just embedded in my brain. I w- I played Peter as well. So during Gethsemane, I don't know if you've ever seen Superstar, but oh, there's so many a, in the <laughs> oh, i did yeah, Well, in, in Gethsemane, the three there's a three apostles that get drunk and fall asleep while right. while Jesus is singing to God and saying, you know, I'm ready to go now. So I'm laying on this part on the left side of the stage on this big ramp. And my ear is on the stage. So all the noise from the orchestra and the band is coming through the wooden stage and it's vibrating in my ear and through my whole body. And I used to look forward to that moment because Gethsemane is one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever written. And so every night, 10 times a week, I would listen to it, but it would go through my whole body every single night. And I used to love it. And I used to just light up But I couldn't move because we were frozen. But I I used to watch Trevor, who played Jesus in Australia, and I'd be watching him and listening to this music, and my body became the speaker for this incredible music. And I just used to soar, you know. And so it got ingrained in my brain. And so when I was able to, later on in our career, like, uh, when did I, 10, 12 years ago, I, I really got interested in musicals and started to write them. So, now I can write different kinds of songs because the person that writes the book, I don't write the book, I just write the music, uh, will say to me or give me the script and say, oh, here's a comedy song. Have you done a comedy song before? And I say, yeah, sure. Um, So, I sit down and then I write a comedy song. But when I'm writing for a singer, or more specifically for Air Supply, if it's time for us to record an album, you know, then straight away, I go into another zone and I go, okay, we need a big epic ballad. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I start, I, so I start thinking that we need a big epic ballad. So when I sit down within the next day or so, I'll start playing a big epic ballad, but not ne- not necessarily for a musical, but for us or for, still for right. someone else, you know. So
0: what... Um with musicals, it sounds like you get a script. So there's a script sort of written, the story's written, yes,
2: and then you correct.
0: write you write both the lyrics and the music for the song.
1: I do, yes. In oh, fact, that's
0: so interesting. What have yeah,
1: you been working on? Well, uh, yeah, well, I I started a new musical uh, four weeks ago. We did our last show five weeks ago. Tomorrow in the tour con in Southern Utah. And uh, when we know th- the next day, the Sunday after that, we, we went to California. We were going to do a show that night. And then suddenly everything got cut, you know, and we found out that all these shows had are, are been canceled, blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. we all came home and that was five weeks ago. So I thought to myself, uh, well, there's a. I know there's a show that somebody wants me to work on. So I... I reread the book that I'd been given and and I wrote the whole show in the last five weeks, which is 16 songs. But I knew I was going to do that because I knew I was going to be home and I wouldn't have a lot of other things to do, except I'm building a big greenhouse. As I said, I was pouring concrete this morning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I knew I was going to be free with no shows to write all these songs, so I, I finished the last one uh, yesterday 9. So I've written a whole musical in, in, in four weeks, which is, you know, it's not fast, but it's not slow. For, for me, that's normal. Uh,
0: yeah, that doesn't
1: sound slow. <laughs> but no, but I loved it because I would, in the morning, I would look at all the scenes and I would write them all down, the scenes and who's speaking and what the motive is for the scene. And I would just write the song. And I would send, I would record a rough of a song in the afternoon and send it to the book writers and they would go, oh, great, you know, and uh, that's how it went. So I'm a little bit, a little bit sad because I finished the last song and now no. I don't have anything to do. So, <laughs> you know, so we'll, we'll see.
0: I was going to say, you sound like someone who will work that out.
1: Yes, you'll, I will. You'll
0: figure it out. Um, so, Tell me what the musical's
1: about. I find this really interesting. Oh, it's so, so much fun. Well, it's the first funny musical. You know, I wanted to write a musical about, like, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Sure. Something really kind of funny and out the window, left of center. And the book writers who I'd written two other shows with, I said, you know, I'd love to write something really funny. Uh, because I never have, but I think I can do it. And uh, and I said, okay. And so they sent me this screenplay, of a, a screenplay they have written called Dead Certain. And I read the screenplay, and I thought, wow, this is so funny. I love it already. And he said, well, let me adapt it to a musical, which he did. And then he sent it to me and I re reread it and I I thought, well yeah, this is really funny. And a little bit uh, a little not stupid, in a good way. Yep.
2: Um
1: it's it's simply about a guy that's a real klutz and he's a mortician. He he uh <laughs> yeah, the,
0: the, it the already subject makes mat- me laugh.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, oh it's so funny. But the subject matter is so uh, it's a little somber and I'm thinking to myself, Well, I've just written this musical the music for this musical and it's called dead Certain. it's about death and it's not really a good time at the moment so i don't know what we're going to do if we're going to hold on to it for a bit however it's about a, a mortician he's in his early 20s and he works for his uncle in iowa of all places i'm and, from iowa <laughs> yeah i know i and you know what i came up with the perfect rhyme for iowa because in the second song because he gets fired by his uncle in his mortuary, because he's he keeps making the faces up of the, of the bodies. He, one looks like uh, Gene Simmons from Kiss, one looks like Alice Cooper. <laughs> and he's a bit, he's a clutch, and the bodies fly all over the place. But in the first scene, they get up and sing with him, right? So, he gets fired, and he's on this bus, and he's going on this bus to Denver. And And I wanted to bring in Iowa, and you know the first line in the song is wh- whizzing past the corn in Iowa, and I thought, God, I put myself in a corner here. What rhymes with i What rhymes with Iowa? But I came up with the perfect rhyme, and it. You know, I looked in the dictionary and I thought, God, what rhymes with Iowa? I wanted to use it because I wanted to refer to the Midwest. You know that where inverted commas the real yeah. people live, and. I thought, God, what have I done? And But the perfect rhyme came to me, and it's prefer. It says, a whizzing past the corn in Iowa, da-da-da-da-da, uh, uh, I, I have to, uh, everyone says I should, I know I should stay, but I prefer to leave. So, Iowa and prefer. I, okay. pre- I prefer Iowa. And I thought, God, what a clever rhyme. I should get an Oscar for that. <laughs>
0: you should. I will nominate you.
1: <laughs> right. So in a nutshell, the guy goes, meets, uh, he comes across this gentleman who's uh, who's really deaf, but he's a fun deaf. I know it sounds weird. And he, this guy deaf, when people are going to die, he doesn't kill them. When they're going to die, the it lights up on the little iPad he's got. And their name flashes, and this guy has to touch them, and mm-hmm. then they go into they're gonna die anyway, but then they go into a euphoric state for a few hours, and then they die, so they have a the last hurrah uh, so this guy, death, meets a boy, this guy, and he says uh, not by accident by the way, he's chosen him because death wants to have a vacation for a couple of weeks, he wants to go away, so he he agrees with Boyd to. Boyd's going to take over for two weeks. So it's all Boyd's adventures. <laughs> Howie, he, and he, he keeps touching the wrong people. Um, then he touches too many, and they all fall down dead. And then they wake up again. It's kind of that scenario, but it, there's not- a love story involved, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's, of course. Of course there is. It's just fun. And, you know, I'm reading the script and writing the song, and I'm in the scenes with laughter. And so it, love- it helps me, yeah, and it helped me write a couple of really funny, comedy songs too so that's how that that came about I
0: will uh, to keep my eye open because that sounds really Oh,
1: do and I've got a really good really good feeling about it because it's so ridiculous (laughs) Uh, but it all ends up uh, nice in the end you know death actually wants to retire and he doesn't want him to do it for two weeks at all he does boy does it for two weeks but then death says well I haven't been honest with you. I really want to retire. I've been doing this for like three or four hundred years because death doesn't die. Uh, But he wants to. He wants to go and retire. And so Boyd takes over and the the girl that he meets that he falls in love with uh, is able to go with him. So they walk off Mm -hmm. into the sunset and they go start touching people themselves as (laughs) they die. That
0: sounds
1: very (laughs) quick. It's very very quick. Of course, there's a big Big epic love song in there,
0: cool. Oh, I, I can't, <laughs> and I can't wait. I will. I just wrote that down because I definitely want to try to look for that once it's out. Um, I'll do. It's so funny. It sounds like you. I know that you also read poetry, write, write poetry, and I've I've read a bunch of that online. Um, and I oh, want to get back to that in a minute and see if you'll yeah. recite a couple pieces for us.
1: Of course, um, yeah.
0: But before that, I wanted to ask you when you're not writing, because that obviously mm. is a big part of your life. What else do you yeah. do? What do you enjoy?
1: Well. Something that I've figured out that really enables me to write songs is something that I do that is com- complete opposite. I love to g- garden. You know, I have a big garden where I live,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I I have a little greenhouse. I grow a lot of my own food. I'm vegetarian, mm-hmm. but where I live in Utah, and the growing season is very short. And every year, it seems, right when I'm going to harvest everything, we get a frost or a freak snowstorm, and my garden dies. And so I thought, I'm going to build a big greenhouse that's big, that's going to stay warm year round. And so I'm building a geothermal greenhouse that is, yeah, it's 90 feet long and it's almost 20 feet wide and 20 feet tall. It's huge.
0: That's magnificent.
1: Yeah, it's sunk into the ground and it heats itself by these 250 long tubes that you sink eight feet into the ground and there's 50 of them. Some are coming in, some are coming out. So it, I don't know if you know, but when you're the earth, eight feet below is the same temperature everywhere mm-hmm. and it pulls in heat from the from the earth and so it pulls it into the greenhouse. So it'll be the same temperature in winter, it was not the same. It'll be a great temper. It won't go past like 50 degrees in that dead of winter. Um, even when it's like 20 below zero, it'll stay above 50.
0: And no, of you'll course able to st- grow. You'll I can grow, grow everything. All
1: year. Oh. Yeah. But not only that, I can grow grapes, bananas, figs,
0: wow.
1: uh, or- oranges, lemons, anything I want to grow, I can grow in there. And I really, I I'm a big gardener. My family's been gardeners for generations, so th- that's what I do to balance my other thing. And I know you wanted me to to place a couple of songs, which I normally would do, but I knew I was pouring concrete today. And if you saw me, I'm I've got, I'm covered in <laughs> clay and dust, and I didn't want to just pick a guitar up because I knew I was pouring. Uh, so that might I didn't want to perform. <laughs> But I would absolutely do it another time. So, that, but that's what I do, and I love growing things. I like getting my hands in the dirt, and I like planting seeds and growing things. And it really balances my whole psyche. So, I'll have a yeah, I'll have a day in the garden like today while I'm pouring concrete. Uh, but then tonight, well, late afternoon. I'll clean up and I'll go and play my piano and I'll be revitalized mm-hmm. because I'll be doing something that balances my career and I really believe very strongly that it does balance it you know I think if I was if I was to write songs all day and all night like those people in Nashville do yeah. I'd go crazy I couldn't do it you'd just dry up uh I wouldn't have any anything to write about it wouldn't fill me with uh positive energy just sitting mm-hmm. down all the time so i don't labor over song when i'm playing piano i like to play for a couple of hours just because i like to play uh but i don't la- labor over anything you know i never sit down and think oh god i've got to write a song and it doesn't come if if perchance which is very rare i sit down at the piano and i just play then that's okay too when I'm mm-hmm. not right I I don't want to write anything or I don't need to write anything. I'm fine with that. And I just play. Then when I've had enough, I just get up and I do something else. You know.
0: I love that. It sounds like oh, a, a it sounds like a wonderful life. It sounds like you really have found your balance and your place and the things that you care about. Yes.
1: So well I have. Amazing. I mean, I've lived I've lived here, where I live in Utah for thirty years and you know when I first moved here people used to laugh at me because they say, where do you live? Thinking I would say, Oh, Los Angeles. I live in Beverly Hills. Or you know, somewhere exotic like Hawaii or something like that. And I say, I live in Newtown." And they go, what? Really? But that whole paradigm has changed. Uh, because when I moved here, nobody really lived here, but, uh, but now, now everybody wants to move here. you know, real estate's through the roof. And, uh, and the place where I live, I bought a long time ago, and uh, and it's my paradise. I just love it, and I love the snow, I love and I, I love the the clean air. And you know, I have great spring water on my property, and and uh, and I have no neighbors, so it's perfect. You know,
0: sounds really. I can beautiful.
1: do wh- I can do whatever I want here. You know, I can like I'm building my greenhouse, and you know, if I go for a hike which I do every day with my dogs. I don't see anyone. You know, I have a very large property and uh, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't see anyone, which is which I love. Where Russell um the to counterbalance lives in the city. He loves mm-hmm. the city. And okay. he loves all the action and going to all the great restaurants and doing all that. So it's a great balance for me,
0: you know. I like that a lot. So, good. Graham, if we had just met, and I did not know you were a musician, and we were just chatting, and I said to you, yes. tell me a story from your life, just so that, just a story that you think represents you in some way, and it doesn't have to do with music, it doesn't have to be a big, insightful thing, just a story from some point in your life that you say, oh, yeah, I, this is something I remember that happened, and, and it's, it's it's mine. Can you think of right. a story that would fill that?
1: I can, yes.
0: Okay. You, uh, me? you
1: know, I I will. Yeah, I, you know, I just wrote my autobiography which okay. nobody's seen yet, except I, I a couple of people. And I, I put this story, this story is in there, but until I put it in my autobiography, I never told anyone, but now <laughs> I'm uh, okay with it. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, it, when I was living in Australia, I was driving in my car one day, and uh, it was Melbourne. And I I felt fine, you know, I was just going down to the store. And I was writing songs a lot at this same time. But this was in, like, 1971, I was 72. Uh, I I had this weird feeling come over me. And it's very hard to describe. And I just started to kind of shake. And I thought, God, I'm having a heart attack or something and I had this incredible feeling of love uh, come over me and I had to pull over. I had to pull the car on the side of the road. So I put the car over and I start crying profusely. I, I'm uncontrollable, I'm like a basket case, and I had no idea what it was. I thought, oh, for sure, I'm dying, I'm having a heart attack or something. Uh, then suddenly I lose all sound and I lose my sight so i'm'm I'm, I'm going I went blind and I went deaf, and I'm crying profusely, and I you know not seeing anything, I had my eyes wide open, but everything was just gray then on the to the right of me, I saw this figure in dressed in white, and I'm not making this up. it was a figure I dressed
0: believe-
1: in white yeah. it was a it was a man, and he had both his hands outstretched. Uh, not uh, to his side with his palms facing up and he was he started to walk from the right I could suddenly see him out of this mist and I saw his figure come and he had he he had a beard you know and it wasn't an old guy and he started to walk and then I saw the front of my car then he lifted off the ground and he walked in front of my car, like he was almost at the, at the, the hood of my car. And he, he started to turn to me, and I was so afraid. I thought, God, this thing is going to come and talk to me. He turned to me, and I'm streaming with tears. He goes in front of the car, and he looks right at me. And of course, the car has disappeared. I'm just sitting, but I can see the front of the car and him. And he turns to me, and he, he said, it's not your time yet. And I've never known what that meant, and I still mm-hmm. don't. But after that, it, and he had a beautiful, serene look on his face, he he, he turned to me, said that, then he went on the other side of the road and just disappeared. And at the same time, he came down to ground level because he was up elevated up, mm-hmm. and he came mm-hmm. down. And so I'm in the car, and I'm freaking out. Um, but, and then suddenly... I had this incredible feeling come over me, uh, of peace, and tranquility, and love, and I was, I was crying not because I was afraid. It was just this feeling of love. I'd never, I'd never felt anything like it before, or since. Mm-hmm. And I, and I was there in the car, and gradually, the car came back, and I could see it, and I thought, oh wow. I thought, well, I'm either dead. Or I'm not. And then I started to hear the birds chirping and sound came. And then I could see. But that is my experience. And wow. nobody's ever been able to tell me what it what it was or what happened. But for the first time, I put it in my autobiography. Isn't that weird?
0: That's amazing. Y- you know what's really cool about that, Graham, is that maybe it doesn't matter very much what it was. It, well, it you're sounds, right, yeah. It sounds beautiful and moving and maybe
1: that's what it was. Yeah. So when I think it was, I I've, I've never really well I've never told anyone except when I wrote it in my autobiography. So I've oh, never gone you. to people and say, "Hey, listen to this, what do you think?" Mm-hmm. So I don't know what people think. I'm sure there are rational explanations, but you're right, I don't really want to know. Be commend. I've already got that and I've already got yeah. what I need what I need from it. So consequently, uh, later on when you know, I was writing songs at that point, but they mm-hmm. weren't anything specific and they weren't that great. But I, I do remember at that point in my life, when I was 21, 22, I started to write, the songs began to take a different shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I started to use the word love in my songs without mm-hmm. even realizing it. and, and I, And I used that kind of genre without knowing it, I, I never sit down and try and write a love song, or mm-hmm. never did I. I never tried that in the old days. But it wasn't until '82 when we were quite popular around the world, when people would say to us, "Oh yeah, you're you're the love ballad guy. <laughs> you're, you're the king. You're the world's love song people." And then I would think and go, "Oh, maybe we are." But it wasn't. It was never by design. It was just the way it was, and it, and that's the way it is, you know. But now in my years now, I've, be, I've become accustomed to it and I accept it. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if somebody thinks about love songs, boom, air supply is right there. They, that's what they think about first First up. And, but that's been great. I mean, somebody needed to do it, but it <laughs> ended up being us for some <laughs> weird reason. It ended up being us. So I'm very thankful that it did. You
0: know. Yeah. Well, and I, I think your openness to writing and your openness to even seeing whatever that was, your openness to it and willingness mm. to just accept it happened, I think that's remarkable and just probably a really significant part of who you are, is that you're just open to the world coming to you and letting it yeah. play out, and that's I, that's I am really good.
1: Yeah, I am very. V- yeah, I am very open to it, and. You know, it's funny enough, you know, my mother died when I was very young, when I was 10 years old, and it was totally traumatic for me. And that's when I I started to write things down because I couldn't speak to anyone. So I didn't Mm -hmm. speak to anyone for three months. So Mm -hmm. I used to write everything down on a piece of paper. And then gradually I started to write rhymes and then I started to write verse. Mm -hmm. And then when I was about a year after that, uh, when I was talking again, I would start I would. I learned. Taught myself guitar, and then I would put, put music to those verses, and that's how I started to write songs. So, I was kind of given that gift. I've, I've always believed uh, mm-hmm. uh, from my mother, you know, who who her and I was just totally very close. So when she died, and I didn't know she was, I didn't even know she was. I knew she was sick, but I didn't know to what degree. It was a big shock to me. But uh, so those couple of experiences have really. Opened me up, I think, to a large degree, um, but I'm I am very open to to that and to those kind of things. Oh, I know what I was going to say. After my mother died, and I was ten years old, I I was terrified of the dark. Of course, and it uh, really was. It was a nightmare. I couldn't go anywhere because I thought she was going to jump out and like mm-hmm. uh, as a ghost and freak oh, me out. Sorry. But- oh, thank you. But after this experience when i was twenty one or twenty two mm-hmm. that went away. I was never afraid of anything again. I mean, I'm not afraid of any kind of darkness or anything at all or anybody. you know, I would walk anywhere with where there, even if it was some somewhere it was dangerous, I would have mm-hmm. no problem walking right into it, yep, so
0: it's weird well, and it it it's almost like that opened a door for you. It was comforting, and it opened this door for you writing more about love. It sounds like, and yeah. it just yeah. maybe it just offered you reassurance. It sounds. I think lovely. so. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, but you know when we first came, well when we first a- had achieved success in the US and hence around the world in 1980, and we we came out uh, singing all these love songs, and also it was January when Lost in Love really hit. And it was a new decade. It was 1980. I think people were ready for something different. And here we've got these these two guys singing about love. And love in those days wasn't really spoken about that much, and especially by men. Mm -hmm. You know, it it was a little bit taboo. People didn't, I mean, the topic of love is much more freely expressed now in 2020 than it ever was 40 years ago. Because we've evolved as human beings, we've become that kind of person, those kind of that kind of people, mm-hmm. where we can talk about it now. I mean, most artists sing love songs now, but mm-hmm. in 1980 there weren't that many, and we used to get. I, I think we got a lot of notice because we were different, because of these events that mm-hmm. had happened to me, and and certain events that had happened to Russell as well, you know. Individually, and it's weird when I think about that now. Uh, we, we have become that band. We have become the love band of the of the world, you know. Uh, and sometimes I think, God, why was it us? Because we're, you know, in the early days, we weren't that great. Re- we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> in fact, R- Russell has a Russell has a great quote, and I, I always credit him to it. He says we didn't make any mistakes in our early years because we didn't know what the hell we were doing and we didn't <laughs> we, we we just believed in what we were doing we just thought it was really cool and fun and we had a lot of fun doing it and we sounded good you know that's the we only did. reason we did it yeah
0: yeah it was very moving and i i think uh for i i think you're right that that you know for men to be seen of love in the way that you were um, yes, yeah, it was taboo. That, right, it was taboo, but I think for any young women at that time, really touched a chord in us because we were sort of yearning to have that.
1: Yes, well, I think so. That,
0: does that make sense?
1: Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, men were men were men in those days, and they never spoke about love right. or or romance or passion or relate. It was always, you know, uh, a a can of beer and on a Monday afternoon or whenever the football, watching the football (laughs) uh, with with the guys, you know, which is something I've never never been into, but that's the way it was, and that's that's cool. That's you know, America certainly in those days was a a testosterone country, and and still Mm -hmm. is. I mean,
2: there's very very few,
1: very few women in high places in this country even thankfully yeah. there's more there's more on the way and there's more than there ever were but uh, you yeah. know it's just that America is that kind of country but mm-hmm. I think we kind of broke the mold a little not by design again just by default just by being there you know we got a lot about press in our early career you know oh it's those guys again with a long hair they look like you
0: know
1: <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> I in, instead of defending ourselves, we just said, hey, you know, we're just a couple of guys from Australia. Well, I'm English, but a couple of guys that began in Australia, and we're just here singing a few songs. You know, there's no harm in that. If you like it, then listen. But if you don't, that's okay, too. But, of course, over this, the last 45 years, that things have changed and evolved to the degree now where people expect it from us now. They, they know what they're going to get. They come mm-hmm. and see us. They know it's going to be an evening. There's going to be a lot of love. There's a lot of romance. There's going to be some beautiful songs. They're going to laugh and they're going to cry, and they're going to remember a lot of things that they thought they forgot. And I, and they're going to leave the venue feeling very positive and charged up and ready to tackle whatever life throws at them. You know.
0: So Graham, when are you coming to Minnesota? As you're talking, I can't wait to come to your concert.
1: <laughs> right. Well. I mean, who knows now? I mean, every day you look at the news, and
2: uh,
1: yeah. yeah. But if you haven't seen us live, and I'm presuming you haven't, you definitely oh come and. I mean, I'm not just saying that because I'm in the band, but it's a really, it's a beautiful show. It's everything you think it's not. It's just beautiful,
0: and it's loud,
1: and it's rock. Yeah, it's (laughs) rock and roll, and it's
0: loud. Love that. So Graham, if you, I want to. to, if you had something to say, uh, you know, after living and experiencing the things that you've experienced, if you had just a piece of advice for people who are just younger and sort of right. if a life philosophy, something that you would say to, to pass along that's, you know, simple, but something people can really resonate with, what would it be?
1: It would be this, which is nothing new, but you must follow your passion at all times. And don't be put off by people telling you you can't. Mm-hmm. Just follow your heart. Follow your passion. And what, whatever you're really good at, keep doing it. Don't do things that you're not good at because somebody else is good at that. Do what you're good at and find out what it is and search for it. But uh, just it. be true be true to yourself. Follow your heart. Let, listen to that voice inside you that everybody has. It'll tell you where to go and what to do every time. I'm a big believer in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, um, as we're to sort of close, although I could, frankly, I could talk to you for the next three hours. This has been Oh, you're a very pleasure. kind. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's been a tremendous pleasure. So I thank you oh. so much for talking with me. Um, oh, it's been my pleasure. You are truly terrific and it's such a pleasure. Uh, I wanted to ask if you would be willing to read us a poem or two. Yes, certainly. Or three. Uh, <laughs>
1: I've got a couple here that, not, some that are, okay. you know, i not. Okay. I read one during our show, you know, uh, yes. which is a weird a weird thing to do.
0: I like it.
1: But I've, I've done it for years, and, you know, when I first started to do it, I thought, you know, that little voice in my head said, You've got to do it. You need to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's weird. In a rock and roll show, you're going to stop the show. You're going to be on stage on your own, but you've got to do it. But people love it. And yeah. it's a moment that they treasure. Not that they don't treasure the rest of the show,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: uh, it's a moment now. And it's it's a moment that's been created by me following my passion and doing yeah. it, you know. Because it, at first I was a little... No, I never get nervous or frightened. But I thought, God, is this the wrong thing for me to do? But it's not because, you know, Russell has his thing. So sings lead on almost all of the songs, all of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so this is my little contribution on my own, and and people love it, and I get standing ovations, you know, which is weird. So so there are people out there that need words of encouragement, and they need they need a few words that. Tell them that they're doing the right thing.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: uh, I'm going to read one from my third book. The, the book is called "Turn Left at Greenland," which is very strange. I know. <laughs> I
0: like uh, it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I didn't uh, create it. I it's, it came from uh, George Harrison. Okay. When the Beatles when the Beatles first came to America, their very first interview. You can look it up on YouTube. Uh, they, they were so excited. You know, they had the number one song, I Want to Hold Your Hand. And the Beatles said they would never come to America until they had a number one song. And they did. They got it and they came. Their first interview ever was at JFK. And they asked, uh, they asked all the Beatles how they liked America. And they asked George, they said, uh, how, do you, how do you find America? And he says, turn left at Greenland. <laughs> which I thought, which I told they could answer. So this is from my group, and that's This is a poem called uh, "Am I." Okay. Okay. Am I the pebble by the stream, or the water freed from melting snow? Am I a dreamer's sleeping dream that has no home, nowhere to go? Am I a thought to build the bridge between two points of view? I am at least one thing I know, a solitary monument that always longs to you. Mm. I the quiver the desert flower thy sacred ground. Am I trapped in my ivory tower until the day I knock it down? Am I the curious dragonfly of orange and of I am all things, that I'm sure, but nothing less and nothing more than one that longs for you." That's the end of that one.
0: That was beautiful.
1: Oh, thank you. I'll I'll, I'll read you another one that's a little different. I, I just love writing poems,
0: too. Can I interrupt you? Before you start, I just yeah. want to ask you, when you write poetry, does it also have music in your head to it? Or is it a different process? Is it is it a different thing?
1: It's a different thing, totally, okay. yeah. Because I, I sit down consciously to write a poem. A, a song I don't, it comes to me. Okay. But with, with the poems, the poetry, I have to go and search for it. Uh, but it doesn't take long. I just have to have that moment. It's different <laughs> with a song. A song, I can sit at the piano and, and it, it finds me. Uh, I have to find the link to, to the, the poems. I have to have that thought or a be somewhere and wait for it and then go and find it and let it know that I'm looking for it. Okay. Uh, and then when I find it, then it all happens. And okay. it happens, you know, pretty quickly. If I start a poem, I finish it without... Going anywhere or without mm-hmm. stopping, I, I I have to finish it because I'm a big believer that that thought has come to me and I need to make the most of it before it runs away again or disappears.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So this is from my my second book. The book is called Merely Beloved, which is a play on words for dearly beloved. You know, mm-hmm. uh, this is called Impossible. Come with me said the morning sky as it sailed out to the sea and as this tortured soul did try a single tear fell from my eye so many more deserve a place to feel your grace much more than I the veil of light came into view as the day did crack its shell and underneath the fainted blue a rose was born my gift to you invisible as love's design the tear turned into morning dew so journey on you know you must i will watch the martins play we creatures all will one day fall and from afar or near i'll call together then and without end upon your clouds we'll sail away that that poem was written in Bali, in Indonesia, one morning mm-hmm. at five o'clock, as I saw the clouds unfolding for the day. You know, it was, it was a beautiful moment I'll never forget.
0: I can totally see that.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I'm gonna. I'll read you one more before I have to go and check out my concrete. Of course. Uh, this is also from Turned Left Greenland. This is called A Beautiful Pair. May we wake to the sound of a chattering finch, as she sings the morning's news. No cause for alarm sealed between white sheets. A day is new-born as the night retreats to the past with fond adieus. Yes, tomorrow once more has escaped from the net and instead remains day. Let us all give thanks for a moment's pause, for the gift of time and with all our flaws as we dance through life's sweet ballet. Yes, it's time to get up, says the chattering finch. There are mouths that I must feed. My children are yours. We breathe the same air. We sing the same song. Such a beautiful pair. And to that we both agreed.
0: (laughs) Well, well, those are... Quite lovely. Thank oh, you for thank sharing those so with us, Graham. Um, thank you're very you very so much for spending this time with me. It was just delightful. And um we may at some point maybe you will come and sing for us. We would love that. Oh, I I would love to when I'm not pouring concrete. I love to. Not, I love to when you are not pulling, pouring concrete, we will we will work that out. And again, this has been a pleasure. You are m- even more delightful than I thought you were going to be. So I'm so honored that you spoke with me. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you, Laurie, and thank you for your time and the opportunity. You know, this is the first time I've ever recited uh, poems in an interview, ever. So,
0: well, I first. feel honored, and you told me the story about um, pulling over in the car. So, I feel just yeah, I feel honored by both of those. So, thank you, Graham. It is a pleasure, and um, like I said, we will contact you another time and hopefully get you some, to do some singing for us.
1: I look forward to that very much. Thank you, I, Laurie. It's been my pleasure. You, All the best. Yeah.
0: Yes, bye. Yeah, bye. bye.
2: Other, there will be no other in our story. I believe that some things last forever, and she is standing right here before me. I will never let you go, and I will never fail. To prove my love to you And there's something you should know Do you mind if I adore you For as long as it will take Do you mind if I adore you Every moment I'm away. I believe that our life is just beginning. Why my heart is always singing when I near you. And I believe that these bots are softly spoken now the deepest ocean we can fall into I will never let you go And forevermore I will show my love is true And there's something you should know